Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Radio. Now on Saturdays at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. KNRS News, sponsored by American Financing. I'm Abby Bonnell. It's 402. An 18-year-old Skyridge High School student has been arrested. Police say that student threatened to carry out a mass shooting. The Lehigh teen reportedly saw a therapist Thursday where police say he threatened to shoot up his school and they say he fantasized over the murderous thoughts constantly. The teen has since been booked into the Utah County Jail in connection with making a terroristic threat. In the wake of a deadly massacre targeting worshippers at a New Zealand mosque, West Valley City Police now stepping up patrols at a mosque here in the city. 49, year old, 49 people were killed in Christchurch by that suspect who's described as a violent extremist. And a retired army officer from Syracuse, Utah, now admitting in federal court today to attempting to hand over classified national defense information to the Chinese. Prosecutors are recommending 15 years in prison instead of life. After 59-year-old Ron Rockwell Hanson pleaded guilty in that plea deal, he'll be sentenced in September. KNRS News. You'll find it at the top and bottom of the hour anytime at KNRS.com. Listen and you'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Boy, what a uh, absolutely gorgeous day we have on the outside. We've got spring on its way and Kind of a touch of spring today. It looks like the weekend is going to be doing absolutely the same thing. And it just is beautiful, beautiful weather out there. So hopefully you'll be able to get out and enjoy it this weekend. You know, everybody who I have ever spoken with who have been to New Zealand always talk about the uh, the beauty of the country and really how nice the people of New Zealand are. As a matter of fact, I think I shared this story with somebody uh, I was talking to who had been to New Zealand of late. And they said, you know, um, if if you take that long flight to New Zealand and sitting beside you is a New Zealander, it is, the, the possibility exists that before you touch down in New Zealand, uh, the passenger next to you will be inviting you to dinner at their own home. I mean, these are the type of people, and I think we've seen surveys out there before, that New Zealand is just a wonderful place. But it's also a country that, in many cases, is wrestling with issues that many of us around the world continue to address. And we're talking about, you know, uh, white nationalists. There's a debate over the uh, Muslim community, especially in Christchurch. Apparently, there is a large Muslim community there, and people have raised issues and concerns about it. But still, this tragedy today, what what a horrible mass shooting. And the fact that this guy, I'm not even going to mention his name, by the way, But this guy would live stream, he would put kind of like a GoPro camera on his head and live stream this for 17 minutes for all the world to see. I mean, how disgusting is that? 
And I haven't seen it. I don't care to see it. Uh, you know, all these social media sites have tried to do whatever they can to take it down. But you know on the Internet, I think once something is out there, sooner or later somebody's going to find a way to get to it if they really, really want to see it. But that shows how, how much of a, 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 a – this guy was crazy. He was evil. There's, there's nothing more than to, to say about this guy, but he's evil. Now, what's tragic about this and what I get upset with, and I think a lot of you do as well, and I think of a lot of us now just brush this off when the media tries to tie Donald Trump into this, and they've done that today. And I'm going to show you how they did here in just a minute. How are you, everybody? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show on this uh, Thank Rod, It's Friday. Beautiful day on the outside. Great to be with you. And thanks for riding home with us tonight. We hope you enjoy the show each and every day. If you want to be a part of it, telephone number to call is 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. Now, uh, before I get to the media's coverage of this, you know, you look at this. If and, and I was watching one of the uh, reporters on Fox News today, and he actually did watch that 16, 17 minutes of video. And I think, in a way, it's part of his job, so he can relay the information to us, and we don't have to see it. And I thought, uh, I thought he he did he did a great job. He did a super job in describing something that had to be very, very disturbing. Talking about the guy driving to the mosque, singing to himself getting out of his car, getting the guns out of his, his uh, trunk and going into the mosque, started killing people right away. Matter of fact, there were two people at the door, and he shot them right away and then went inside and, and continued with this horrible shooting, including at one time where apparently he went into another room to uh, reload, and uh, there were people on the floor there. Some hadn't been dead. They had been shot, but they weren't dead as of yet, and he'd walk around with kill shots and and taking them out. Um no matter what you say, I mean, to, to witness an act uh, of such sickening depravity um, is something I hope none of you ever have to see. Um, but what did it show you? It shows us how dark and dangerous the human mind can be and how twisted things are. And, you know, the, the media is making a lot about this manifesto today. He wrote, I think it was 74 pages long. Uh, it was rambling incoherent, didn't make any sense. Uh, this was an act of terrorist by a white supremacist that hates people not like him, especially Muslims. And uh, he, he said he, uh, he wanted to murder poor defenseless people to ensure the existence of, quote, our people and a future for white children. And why did he choose New Zealand? It's simple. Because it would show, according to this manifesto that this guy wrote, that nowhere in the world is safe. And one of the reasons he did this, he said, in this crazy rambling and said manifesto, was he is hoping to spark a race war in America. And that's why he chose to carry out this mass shooting, believing that using a semi-automatic assault weapon would fire up a renewed debate in the U.S. about gun laws. Now, I want to be clear with everybody here. Donald Trump had absolutely nothing to do with this. Donald Trump did not direct anybody to go kill these Muslims at this mosque in New Zealand, or the two mosques. 
But people are trying to jump on him right away and get after him. I want you to listen to this montage uh, that was put together by the folks at Gravian today in which they're, you know, all these commentators, mostly from CNN, but other, other uh, uh, news, ca- news channels as well, talking about the shooting. This was shortly after it occurred this morning or when we got word of it this morning. But I want you to listen how they did everything they could to try and tie Donald Trump to the shooting in New Zealand. Here's what they all said. You asked for God to change people's hearts. Yeah. I have a question for you. Does God need to change people's language? President Trump, uh, whether uh, intentionally or I think in a lot of cases, even inadvertently, has provided a lot of fodder for people like this. Words do have consequences. And we know that at the very pinnacle of power in our own country, you mean when, the president talking about it? I mean, I know it's hard to even call this out. I've heard this from a guest this morning. Well, this shooter, according to these reports, specifically invoked our president as an inspiration. You asked Matthew earlier about, is there someone out there tonight who's going to hear Trump's rhetoric and act on it? We know that lots of far-right attackers have claimed to be Trump supporters in recent months. And there's an intolerance that's being spread in this country, in this world, and it comes from the political dialogue. Let's be clear, it comes from political leaders. Words have consequences, like saying we have an invasion on our border. The language he uses in this manifesto is all about invaders. It's also language that President Trump used in a campaign ad before the midterm election. Why they're uh, seeing inspiration from our own president, John, is you have a president who, when he was a candidate, talked about banning Muslims from entering this uh, this country. So this is a president um, who has given plenty of rhetorical ammunition, I think, to terrorists like this. We need to be mindful in our own rhetoric and in our own actions how we're pushing it. Maybe we need to hear a little less from the president in terms of his, his rather incendiary uh, inflammatory rhetoric on you know, a racial or ethnic matters. I know earlier the president tweeted out a message of sympathy to the victims, but the president of the United States needs to, needs to go further. Boy, you sit there and you listen to that. And, you know, apparently any tragedy in the world nowadays is politicized immediately by the, by the media. And who do they instantly start pointing fingers at? You've got it, Donald Trump. Right away. Now, could Donald Trump do more? I don't know. I don't know what more he could do or what you would expect him to do. But to blame the president of the United States for every attack, every tragedy, not only in this country, but around the world is so long. If you want to blame somebody for something that happened in Christchurch, New Zealand today, how about blaming this senator, this Australian senator? His name is Fraser Anning. He's from Queensland there in New Zealand. And talk about the height of callousness. In the wake of the shooting today, he released a statement in which he blamed the attack on Muslim immigration. Listen to what he said. He said, while this kind of violent vigilantism can never be justified, what it highlights is the growing fear within our community, both in Australia and New Zealand, of the increasing Muslim presence. The real cause of the bloodshed in New Zealand streets today is the immigration program which allowed Muslim fanatics to migrate to New Zealand in the first place. Talk about the height of callousness. All right, we'll talk about this a little bit later on in the show. We'll talk about the legislature. Boy, don't mess with Mama Miller. 
Boy, if they come down again on, a, on another Jazz fan, we'll let you hear a little bit of what she said last night and get your reaction to that as well. So a busy Friday. I thank Rod. It's Friday here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Let's check in again with Abby for a news update. Abby? Thanks for New Zealand's Prime. And Rock Radio. Listen now on the iHeartRadio app. Your music, your stations, all free. iHeartRadio. The Rod Arquette with you on this uh, Thank Rod It's Friday here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, um, still to come, well, in the 5 o'clock hour, of course, we always do our Thank Rod It's Friday where we open up the phones to you. But we will talk a little bit about what Gail Miller had to say to Jazz fans last night. We're going to let you hear a portion of what she had to say. And the Jazz announced today they're going after a second fan. This apparently from an incident last year. So, um... Like I said, don't mess with Mama Miller. Oh, she's not offended by me calling her that. But, man, don't mess with Mama Miller. Don't mess with her at all. All right. Uh, Utah legislature wrapped up last night. Brad Wilson, the Speaker of the House, will join us a little bit later on in the show to uh, to talk about it. A couple of things they did that, uh, that I think people are going to like, and I talked about this on the show yesterday. They nixed the money, which was about $1.5 million, for the Hatch Center up at the University of Utah. Uh, remember, that was on the budget, but apparently that got nixed last night. A lot of you called in and said he didn't deserve it. He is a wealthy man, and I, somewhere I, I read that he's worth about 100 to $150 million. So if he wants a center up the University of Utah named after him, I think he could probably afford it himself or go seek some uh, wealthy donors to help him out. I don't think Utah taxpayers need to do that. Now, another issue that uh, came up during the legislative session was the debate over beer. Um the state of Utah currently sells 3.2 beer, and some of the manufacturers said they're doing away with it, and uh, that would have left grocery stores and convenience stores kind of out in the cold, so to speak, if they couldn't, wouldn't approve a higher uh, alcohol content in beer. Well, they did so. They didn't go to 4.8, but they got fairly close, basically to 4.0. And joining us on our newsmaker line right now to talk about it is Kate Bradshaw. Kate, of course, Director of Responsible Beer Choice Coalition. We've had her on the show before. Kate, how are you? And welcome back to the show. I'm doing great. How are you, Rod? I'm good, Kate. Uh, happy with uh, what lawmakers did this time? You know, it was a big lift. Um, doing alcohol legislation in Utah is is not easy, and <laughs> so we feel really good about about the outcome because there were points throughout the session where, you know, it wasn't certain we could get anywhere. Yeah, I think you just made the understatement of the way, <laughs> of the day today that it's a big lift for lawmakers to deal with alcohol laws. Um, it, it, I have never heard of 4.0 beer. Is there such a thing? Well, it's not necessarily that there's 4.0. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. 
Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. You know, beer is that beer, there, there are different beers all along kind of the number spectrum mm-hmm, of, of mm-hmm. alcohol content. Mm-hmm. So we will be able to capture a number of, of beers that are in the, the mid and high three-point, you know, something range. And then there are a number of beers whose natural finishing point is right at 4.0. So it's not that all beers will go to 4.0. It will pick up all of these things between 3.2 and 4.0 and in their natural recipe. So, like, for instance, Corona Extra is at 3.6. You know, so that now would mm-hmm. fall in its regular recipe in the spectrum. Okay. Um, okay. Um, Jerry Stevenson, who was the sponsor of this bill, uh, called it a commerce bill because he was worried about the impact it would have on mom-and-pop grocery stores and convenience stores. Will this help them out, Kate? You know, it will. Um, you know, particularly in, in rural Utah, um, where there aren't state liquor stores like there are along the Wasatch Front. There's package agencies, but they're kind of few and far between. Loss of this product is is a big deal. I mean, think of all of the tourists who visit um, rural and central Utah to visit our national parks um, and you know, would expect to be able to, you know, pick up a beer after, a, you know, a hike or a camp out or something like that and would find there, you know, was nothing. Um, yeah. Kate, is there that much of a difference between 3.2 and 4.8 beer? So if you look at the top 75 most popular beers, the amount of alcohol averaged over uh, the, the different beers along the spectrum would have been less than a tenth of a tablespoon more alcohol per 12-ounce serving. So it's it's not a lot of alcohol when you look at it from that perspective. There are those who want to, you know, say, hey, that would have been a fifty percent increase, and that sounds scarier. But it's it's when you're looking at some type of a an actual measurement, it's not that much more alcohol. The uh, sponsor. These are the regular recipes of these things too. Okay. These are what you'd be getting in any other state. All right, all right. Um, going back to what uh, Senator Stevenson was trying to do. He mentioned it was a uh, commerce issue, but he felt right away when it went into the House and went before a health committee that the uh, fix was in and uh, they were going to do away with this because they raised the moral issue. Were you surprised it went that direction? Uh, You know, we were a little frustrated that it went that direction. We had struggled to get the bill out of the Rules Committee and to a committee hearing on the House side. And, you know, we're in agreement with Senator Stevenson that it was sent to that committee in order to um, you know, kill it or modify it significantly beyond what it had been introduced as. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we felt like that was a, a very hard committee to go to. And that committee, you know, is its mission to a certain extent is to examine health impacts. And so that's the lens through which they wanted to view this bill rather, th- rather than the business impacts um, that, you know, we had been focusing on, which is why we'd asked for such a, a modest change, you know, not looking at something higher where other states are at, you know, at an, at an 8 or uh, 9% range. You know, yeah, we scaled yeah. it dramatically to try and address some of those um, types of health impacts. So that was that was frustrating, but that's part of the legislative process. It's, you know, back and forth. Yeah, you have to deal with it. <laughs> 104 legislators. Yeah, you have to deal with it. Kate, how about the local beer makers? Uh, are they satisfied with this, concerned about it? The local companies. So the last statement I saw from the Brewers Guild a day or so ago was that at the 4.0 level, they had taken no position, neither neither for or against. Um, individual brewers uh, came out on different sides. There were some that were 
uh, very much recognizing that any movement was good movement, that it had been 86 years since 1933 that we had uh, advanced any of the alcohol content at, at grocery and community stores, and so we're supportive of just moving the needle. And then there were others that were kind of a, you know, if it's not as high as we want, we reject anything. You know, it was a whole low for nothing approach, <laughs> and they and they you know resisted any movement that wasn't as high as they wanted. Final question for you, Gate. Part of this bill now, there's going to be apparently some study group set up to take a look at going further, maybe to 4.8. Uh, do you think we'll ever get there? And what's that study group going to do to begin with, Kate? So we hope so. We hope that that study group um, will help us get there. And we'll, uh, we'll study the commerce issues and we'll study the health issues and we'll help lawmakers come to a reasonable uh, place on that. There's a lot of uh, um, legislators that are LDS, and so they have kind of, they don't know a lot about alcohol. They're, they're not ever going to be able to, to try it. So, you know, yeah. that leaves them with a knowledge gap. And so they need trusted resources um, to rely on to make those decisions. And a task force, you know, can help them get there. And so we intend to engage um, fully in that process so that we can make sure they have really great information to rely on to make those decisions since they won't have firsthand experiences to to rely on. Well, we'll keep our eye on it. Kate, great chatting with you. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Now that the legislature's over, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Kate Bradshaw, she is executive director of the Responsible Beer Choice Coalition, talking about uh, the fact that stronger beer, not quite as strong as some had hoped, will be coming to the uh, state of Utah on the uh, store shelves here in the Beehive State. All right. When we come back, we've got some time. I'm going to open up the phones to you and talk about this legislative session, because I've got a lot of questions for you. They passed a... Uh, unbelievable amount of bills again but is there one thing that you were looking for the legislature do that they didn't do or one thing they did that you wish they hadn't have done that makes sense yeah i think it does 888-570-8010 888-570-8010 or on your cell phone dial pound 250 and say hey rod your calls and comments coming up camping season is so by the time the neighborhood sloth finishes digesting his pizza you could have sold your home with homie know the facts homie's got your back Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show on this Thank Rod. It's Friday. We'll get to uh, some of your phone calls. We'll open up the phones to you completely in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. I, I do want to talk about the comments made by Gail Miller last night at the Utah Jazz game. The Jazz taking action against another fan today. You'll hear what that fan did as well, and we'll talk about that. And there's an interesting article in USA Today about sporting events and the national anthem. And we'll get into that with you as well. But right now we're talking about what the uh, Utah legislature did and didn't do during this legislative session, which wrapped up wrapped up last night. Both the uh, Salt Lake Tribune and UtahPolicy.com, I think, have done a very good job today in kind of running down everything they did and they didn't do. And I'll run that down for you in a minute. But I want to get your calls on some of the things that you were hoping the legislature would address and maybe just leave alone. They passed 570-some-odd bills. Do we need that many? 888-570-8010 on your cell phone. Dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, to the phones we go. We begin with Chuck in Orem. Chuck, how are you, and welcome to the show. Um, great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What are your thoughts, Chuck? I wish they would have done more on daylight savings time. Um, it really doesn't help people's health. And the farmers are going to get up when the sun comes up anyway, no matter what time it is. 
What would you like to have seen him do? Make it permanent, daylight savings time, or standard time permanent? Either one, pick one, and stick to it. <laughs> All right, Chuck. You know, I mean, Arizona's done it for how many years, and they're doing just fine. Well, they're limited, Chuck. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. They're limited as to oh, what yeah. they can do. They can only go to standard time because that's what federal law says. But uh, Rob Bishop is trying to give that that changed to allow states to decide what they want to do so and make that flexible. So right now they're restricted to standard time, but you're saying let's just do something about it, right? Correct. Yeah. All right, Chuck, thank you. Let's go to Jane in Ogden, hear what Jane has to say tonight. Jane, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good, Rod. Thank you. Uh, my greatest disappointment of the session was that uh, it was poised to be passed, that there would be a, a significant tax on vaping and therefore, thereby protect our young people. Mm-hmm. But I fear that our legislators cowered out and fell prey to the huge amounts of dollars put in by the tobacco lobbyists. That was a great disappointment. I hope it's corrected in the future. Jane, do you think uh, vaping in our young people is a major issue that people aren't uh, that much aware of, Jane? Oh, absolutely. There was a, there was a whole youth group who have been working on this for several years, indicating what a challenge and what a difficult thing it is among their peers. It's a reality But, as I said, the tobacco lobbyists and all the thousands of dollars that have gone into it make it difficult for our legislators to be courageous and do what is right. All right. All right, Jane. Thank you. Appreciate that. We'll see if that comes up again in the uh, 2020 session of the Utah legislature. Remember, next year is an election year, so that that may may impact it a little bit, have a bit of an influence on there. Now, I want to give you an idea of a couple of things that was outlined in these articles that I mentioned today. Some of them I like, some of them I don't like. First of all, uh, on the abortion issue, um, lawmakers uh, passed a pair of abortion bills, uh, and there's a debate over whether or not the state is going to be facing some lawsuits about these, but I'm glad they did it. I'm I'm glad they've stood up for uh, the rights of the unborn. Now, one of the bill aimed at abortions sought solely based on fetal Down syndrome, uh, but it postponed it until similar laws in other states are upheld. So Utah is saying when those, if those laws in other states are upheld, we will join them. So I, I, I'm glad they moved in that direction. And the other would ban most abortions after 18 weeks. Now, that is already on its way to court. There's no doubt about it. I think the, I talked with the governor yesterday about this. The ACLU is already indicated they are going to file suit against it. The governor said he hadn't made up his mind whether or not to sign it into law or uh, veto it. But I think I think most Utahns, and you may agree or disagree with me on this, but I, I think it's just fine standing up the rights of the unborn. And if it costs us uh, uh, some money and tax dollars, that's all right with me. And I, I'm glad the uh, lawmakers did that. Now, other things they did, they did reject the cell phone bill. They tried again. Uh, uh, and we're hoping it would get through, but, you know, and, and a lot of you out there, I mean, what is it? Uh, three out of every four Utahns, according to the last poll, uh, favor a law which would ban the use of handheld cell phones while you're driving. The lawmakers still not convinced that is the direction to go. There was an attempt uh, up on Utah's Capitol Hill when it comes to civil assets being seized by police. Now, there's been a major ruling out of the U.S. Supreme Court on a case 
I want to say it's out of Ohio or Indiana. It could be differently. But that did not gain speed. I wish that would have picked up a little bit. Conversion therapy, uh, you know, the gay community who was fully behind this uh, thought they had a bill. Uh, There were some changes to it. They backed away. They went after the governor. The governor called it a misunderstanding. And we'll see if that comes up again. But that did not work this time. The other issue uh, that um, some people went after again were gun bills. And I think there were three or four major gun bills that lawmakers were taking a look at during this legislative session. And here we go again. Lawmakers said, nope, we aren't going there. This is a strong Second Amendment state. And they uh, decided not to go in that direction. On hate crimes, they did. Uh, On the hate crimes issue, I'm still not sure why we even did it. I've said it before on the show. I don't know if it's necessary. And um, as we played this soundbite yesterday from uh, Lee Perry, a uh, state representative from up in uh, northern Utah, I think it's Box Elder County, uh, said on the House floor, you know, he can think of only three hate crimes that were committed in Utah in the last year. Well, if that's the case, why do we need a hate crimes bill? I just, that one didn't set well with me. They, they didn't, you know, Legacy Parkway, those of you who use it up in Davis County, get ready for some changes. Uh, the, the state will probably allow trucks on it and will raise the speed limit on Legacy Highway, and that's one I'm totally in favor of. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a rundown as to some of the issues they addressed. There were a lot more, but again, I want to say to you, on the cell phone ban, on the hate crimes legislation, on the gun laws, we didn't get a tax cut, but both the governor and Brad Wilson, who I'll speak with a little bit later on, are indicating we will get a tax cut. It's just going to take a little bit longer to figure everything out in restructuring the tax system that we have in the state. So I want to get your thoughts on um, walking away from the legislature. The legislature, I mean, from your city council to your school district to the state legislature, those three governmental agencies probably have more of an impact on your life each and every day than I think almost anything the federal government does. So how would you grade them? Did they, did they tackle an issue you were concerned about, or did they tackle one you wish you, they would have just left alone? 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. Let's kick it over to Abby again for a news update. Abby? Thanks, Rob President. Four, four. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 404-3325.
Great song. Welcome back. The Rod Arquette with you on this uh, Thank Rod is Friday in Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. Great, great afternoon to be driving home. And we appreciate you taking us along for the ride the uh, this afternoon. Getting your calls right now on what the uh, state legislature did and didn't do on your behalf in this uh, legislative session. A lot of bills that were passed, and we'll talk with uh, Speaker of the House Brad Wilson coming up in the uh, 6 o'clock hour and get his thoughts on it. I'm not sure what they did. There was a real concern about school safety and uh, about suicide prevention here in the state of Utah. State Representative Steve Elison has been actively involved in that. I know he was working on a number of bills. I'm not sure where they all ended up. I believe we did get some uh, money approved to put more counselors in schools. Uh, That should help a lot. And that comes as a result, There's a um, there are a couple of stories out there today concerning teenagers and teen suicide in this country. Um, in one report, this was a uh, study by the National Institutes of Health. It's not a big study, but the results are kind of frightening because it says one in three, one in three preteens screened positive at being a suicide risk. Uh, researchers examining youth suicide risk screening at three urban children's hospitals last year, wanted to see how frequently kids ages 10 to 12, 10 to 12 years old, are screened, and the results. They found 23 preteens were positive for suicide risk out of the 79 preteens screened. The hospitals involved are Children's National Medical Center in D.C., hospital in Boston, and one in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And uh, one of the uh, researchers in the study in a news release said, typically suicidal thoughts and behaviors are seen in older teens, but we're seeing them more and more in preteens. And we're talking about kids, what, 9, 10, 11, and 12, before they hit the teenage years. So you look at a study like that, and Utah, of course, unfortunately, is sitting near the top when it comes to suicide in this country anymore. And you look at that, and then you wonder, you know, there's a story out today and I think it was a teenager in Lehigh, uh, involved in apparently some sort of threat against another school and involved in a school shooting. And um, you see researchers now, this is yet another study, but they're all tied to teenagers, which, you know, it's got to be a concern to uh, communities around the country. But researchers at the University of California at Los Angeles, UCLA, they surveyed 505 high school principals. More than 60% of them reported some of their students had made derogatory remarks about immigrants. So political incivility, and we'll talk about that at Jazz Games coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, and racial hostility in Utah, or not Utah high schools, U.S. high schools. More than 80% of the principals said some of their students had disparaged other ethnic groups. Now, you you know what it's like in the teenage years. I mean, you're always you know, making fun of each other is part of the growing up process. But apparently it has changed considerably uh, in schools around the country. And uh, some, <laughs> here we go again, some are saying, you know, um, that President Trump is to blame for this rhetoric. That's according to this study. And I am i don't know about you, and I, I don't know, I think many of Americans out there, and a lot of you who listen to the show feel the same way that I do that we're just sick and tired of every time something happens or a new study comes out, that it is all Donald Trump's fault. I mean, you just, is there anything out there 
that has happened in the last two years in which Donald Trump's name hasn't come up. The media today, again, trying to connect Donald Trump and his, quote, hateful rhetoric. And that was what pushed this nut job in New Zealand to go to a mosque and kill 49 people. Donald Trump didn't tell him to do it. Donald Trump didn't encourage him to do it. Yet everybody, well, not everybody, but there are some in America, especially in the media, and certainly on the left, who are, in fact, trying to tie Donald Trump into this. Now, could Trump have done something differently following the, 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 the outbreak of violence in Charlottesville a couple of years ago? He may have. You know, there are people saying, you know, he should have come down harder on the white supremacists and the nationalists were, that were there. But, you know, <laughs> to blame him for everything... You know, he, he, you know, okay, trying to protect the company by making sure that we know the type of, you know, uh, Muslims who want to get into the country. Is there anything wrong with that? We aren't saying we hate all Muslims. We just want to make sure those who come into the country are not here to kill us. I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with Donald Trump trying to do something about the border. I mean, look at the, you know, and some people could call this invasion. Some people call it a crisis. Some call it an emergency. Well, I agree. I think we are just asking for more and more trouble every day by not doing something about this. And I blame both the Democrats and Republicans. Neither one of them is really concerned. The only one in Washington who is concerned about safety on the border and the impact it is having on the United States of America is Donald J. Trump. And that's why he vetoed that bill today, which blocked his... uh, national emergency and get money to build the wall. Should have. All right. Uh, All right. Gail Miller, what she told jazz fans and all of us last night, good for her. We'll get your reaction to that and this idea of stopping the national anthem at sporting events. I'm Jeff Jr. Pairs for life and a 12-month no-breakage guarantee. Visit Technoglass.com or call 562-2200. KNRS News, sponsored by Utah Stem Cells. I'm Abby Bonnell, it's 502. In the wake of a deadly massacre targeting worshippers at a New Zealand mosque, West Valley City Police stepped up patrols today at a mosque here in the city. 49 people were killed in Christchurch by a suspect described as a violent extremist. Law enforcement also increasing security at all mosques throughout the state. A five-year-old girl has been critically injured earlier today after being struck by a car in Centerville. The child was on her way to elementary school with her older sister, Centerville Police Chief Paul Child. As a parent myself, you you know, this is kind of the worst nightmare, but... Uh... Hopefully, hopefully she'll be fine and uh, she'll be able to recover completely from her injuries. An off-duty deputy who lives in that area gave aid until first responders arrived on the scene. The child was airlifted to Primary Children's Hospital. A trial has now been set for a Park City teenager accused of having powerful painkiller Pink shipped to her home before two 13-year-old friends died from overdoses. The 17-year-old girl denies drug distribution charges. A trial has now been set for next month in juvenile court. The teen is also accused of receiving shipments of synthetic drugs following the death of those boys. Utah lawmakers passing a compromise bill during the legislative session increasing the alcoholic content of beer from 3.2 to 4.0 percent. The original bill was squashed. It was seeking 4.8 percent 
Brewing companies were pulling 3.2% beer from Utah grocery and convenience store shelves due to a lack of demand across the nation. That bill requires now the creation of a task force to look at the impact of 4.8 beer. We hope that that study group will help us get there. We'll study the commerce issues and we'll study the health issues and we'll help lawmakers come to a reasonable uh, place on that. Kay Bradshaw, director of Responsible Beer Choice Coalition, appearing on Rod Show tonight. Kenrose News, you'll find it at the top and bottom of the hour anytime. KNRS.com. Oh, you're just wanting to get out of here because it's so nice on the outside. Do you know, I don't think we've had a Friday. I can't remember last Friday. I think we were in a blizzard, weren't we? So this seems like it's the first Friday, light, sunny, driving home with no mess on the roads. And it will, I, I just seem to drive home in a snowstorm. And it will be lighter longer. Last night I saw a moose in Parley's. You did? Yes, because was it was light. Was it using light. that $80 million bridge we built? No. <laughs> it was on the hillside, chewing away well, at the why, trees. But then why did we build that bridge? I don't know if it's been used yet. You, I have yeah. to I have to do a crack story. You, you drive that you every day. You haven't seen an animal on it yet. No, but then it's very high and it's very big. And it's got huge, big kind of fencing and walls. So you really don't know. And pedestrians aren't allowed to walk on it. So I can't go up and have a gander Miranda. So I've no idea what's going you, on up there. You have a what? A gander Miranda? Yeah, you can, you know, have a good, have a good look. A good they look. really should put game cameras on there and post them on a website so people can I see if people were, are using I it. I thought they were going to do they that. They do. I think DWR does have a camera up there. But here's my question. This is my theory. All right. If it was really rush hour with the moose and deer, we'd be seeing that video. But we haven't seen any yet. Now, I could be wrong. I just want to say right now, I might be cop before the horse, but I haven't seen any video of any of them yet. And I do know that they are going to film up there. And you drive it every day, and you haven't seen anything on it. On the hillside. I looked for it when I went up there a couple of weeks ago. I'm not, I'm not sure which one it is. Oh, it's the one before, just before you get to the summit as you're driving towards Park City from Salt Lake. As you go up past, way past Lands Canyon, you're almost getting to the summit. You can't miss it. Is it it past the golf course? Oh, way, way, way. So you're almost at the summit. Oh, really? So you've already seen the exit for Summit Park. So it's around there. Is it? Yes, it's by Summit Park. It's huge. I mean, I think it was $5 million. I think it was $80 million. (laughs) No, it wasn't that much. (laughs) But I did kind of find it funny that yesterday morning I saw the moose on the mountainside near the bridge, but not on the bridge, and then driving back last night, there he was. I wonder if anyone has seen an animal on that darn bridge I don't bridge know. Somebody yet. must have done. There has to have been one passing yeah, the bridge. I'd like to see it. And I'm with E-Ray. I thought they were going to put a camera up there. They are. They are or they, they have? did. I don't know if they have, but they were going to. <laughs> that is the intention. All What's right, the name right. of that bridge? I'll Google it. Uh... I don't know. Rocky Road. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Rocky and Bullwinkle Bridge. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it's name. See if you can find that on the D. Does DWR have a website? They must have. I'm sure it's DWR who's got the camera. Yeah, they do. There. I'm looking now. Yeah, the Rocky and Bullwinkle Bridge. It is. <laughs> Jeez. Can't believe we spent all that money for a couple of animals. Uh, it, my tax day, I'd uh, pay a dollars at work. Yes, very much so. Well, you don't want to hit them. I mean, you don't. You and I have seen plenty of animals up there. You know, yeah. since they put the other fencing, the deer fencing up. And, and they, haven't, a, they haven't crossed Oh, yet, that was amazing how it just reduced yeah. all the carcasses on the freeway, which was so upsetting. Yeah. yeah. But now, no. Yeah, no. And then, we, of course, well, now that, we have the, the big concrete eyesore by Jeremy Ranch. Have you seen that one? No. Is there another one up there? 
Well, that's you're, just, you're, you're really on one today about this. About I've your already right complained home. about the color of paint to John Gleason at UDOT. I said, cream? Who paints a concrete wall? Hot? Well, <laughs> right. only half of it's been painted because winter struck. Oh. I thought, surely you should kind of go with like sage green, well, earth tones that kind of blend. For? What's the wall for? To hold noise. back the hillside? Uh, no, it's noise, noise for the reduction. golf course. And oh, they, they put an extra lane in there for oh, lorries, tankers. Right. <laughs> Slow lane. Oh, right. <laughs> E-Ray's still looking for that. We'll see if we can find a camera on that. And uh, and take a look. Maybe they have. We, we, we got to find out if any animal has crossed the darn thing. As if you, maybe it's not that time of year. Who knows? All right. Welcome back. Our number three of the our number two, I should say, of the Rod Arquette show. All right. We call this Thank Rod. It's Friday. We open up the phones to you to let you talk about whatever you want to talk about today. But I do want to start off this hour and talking about what Gail Miller did last night at the Utah Jazz game. Now this is all the result of the uh, verbal confronta- confrontation between a fan by the name of Shane Kiesel uh, and Russell Westbrook the other night, in which, you know, Westbrook blew up and, you know, started dropping some F-bombs and saying he'd get after Kiesel and his wife. And Kiesel said, hey, it was just a conversation here. He didn't hear me right, but the uh, Jazz done, did an investigation into all of this, and they basically found more than maybe what the public knew about. They haven't shared with us anything else that he did, but he was banned for life from going to any event at the Vivint Home Center. Now, there is a second fan who was banned today. The Deseret News reported today that the Jazz, in fact, have banned a second fan for something that happened back in 2018, again with Russell Westbrook. All right, here's what the fan, you have to listen to this carefully, but here was a little bit of the fan heckling Westbrook at a game last year. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Vaguely in the background, you can hear the uh, fan yelling, Here we go, boy! Here we go, boy! And he's directing his comments at Russell Westbrook. And as a result of that, it was reported today that Utah Jazz have banned him from ever being at an event in the Vivint Smart Home Arena. Now, this stung. A lot of people were stung by this um, because they felt, you know, the national sports commentators really got after Utah. Even Russell Westbrook, after the incident earlier this week in his postgame news conference, said this is happening too often here. And at first we were all going, oh, come on, Russell, back off. But now apparently we've had two incidents, both directed at him. Now, remember, it is being directed at Russell Westbrook. 
and he does kind of generate fan reaction to him by his actions. But I want to, I really wanted to compliment Gail Miller because, um, you know, I don't know if you'd find very many owners in the NBA who would get on the floor before a basketball game like she did last night, read a statement, and appeal to the civility of Utah Jazz fans because fans are being attacked here. Here's what she said. I'm going to play just a portion of it, not the whole thing, but here's what Gail Miller said to fans last night at Vivint Smart Home Arena. As the owner of the Utah Jazz, I feel it's important for me to take this opportunity to express some thoughts and concerns about the unfortunate event that happened Monday night. I am extremely disappointed that one of our, quote, fans conducted himself in such a way as to offend not only a guest in our arena, but also me personally, my family, our organization, the community, our players, and you as the best fans in the NBA. This, this should never happen. We are not a racist community. We believe, we believe in treating people with courtesy and respect as human beings. From time to time, individual fans exhibit poor behavior and forget their manners. Some disrespect players on other teams. When that happens, I want to jump up and shout, stop. We have a code of conduct in this arena. It will be strictly enforced. Everyone who comes here, visiting teams included, deserves the right and the expectation to be treated with dignity at all times. When bad incidents like Monday night happen, it not only affects the player it's directed at, it also affects our players. Other teams are not our enemies. They are our competition. Competition is a good thing. It allows players to showcase their talents and it allows fans to encourage, appreciate, cheer for, and enjoy those who share their talents with us. All right, that was Gail Miller, uh, just part of her address to fans last night at the uh, Jazz game. And like I said before, I don't know if there's another owner out there who would do something like this. And I compliment Gail Miller. I've never met Gail. I met her husband years and years ago. Never met Gail Miller. But, boy, she stood up and said, fans, behave yourself. Now, when we come back, I've got a few thoughts on this, and I'll get your reaction to it as well. And I've got another thought. This article today in USA Today, they've been doing a series on what we would change in sports. And this latest column says, let's get rid of the national anthem in any sporting event. We'll get your reaction to that. I'll fill you in on details coming up right here on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know your reaction to what Gail Miller had to say last night and the fact that they banned a second fan, 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, all you do is have to dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. Now, I want to take a minute to talk to you about an event that's underway right now. As a matter of fact, going on right now at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, I'm talking about the International Sportsman's Expo. Underway now through this Sunday down there in Sandy. I didn't know it, but it is Utah's longest-running outdoor show. 
And if you want to see the latest in boats and side-by-sides, ATVs, the latest in fishing and hunting gear, it's all there for you at the International Sportsman's Expo. Everything you need for fishing and hunting in Utah and around the world all under one roof. Now, the tickets, $14. Youth under 15 get in free. The International Sportsman's Expo, you can check it all out on their website at sportsmansexpo.com for more information. So I want you to plan this weekend's beautiful weekend to get out, spend some time at the International Sportsman's Expo. You can try the gear, you can buy the trips, you can meet the pros, all for you at the International Sportsman's Expo. I invite you to come on by tomorrow between 2 and 4. I'll be there tomorrow. Come on by and say hi. Check it out through Sunday, the International Sportsman's Expo at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy. Here's Abby with the news update. Thanks, Rod. New Zealand's Talk Radio. Listen now on the iHeartRadio app. Your music, your stations, all free. iHeartRadio. The Rod Arquette Show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. It is Thank God It's Friday. Our phone lines are open to you to chat about whatever is on your mind tonight. 888-570-8010. 888-570-8010. Here's what Gail Miller, this is a portion of what Gail, Gail Miller said at the uh, Jazz game last night. I am extremely disappointed that one of our, quote, fans conducted himself in a way as to offend not only a guest in our arena, but also me personally, my family, our organization, the community, our players, and you, the best fans in the NBA. In a very nice way, she tried to, I think she read the riot act, everybody, last night at the stadium. We're getting your reaction to that. 888-570-8010 on your cell phone. Dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, let's go to our phones. And we begin with Doug in Woodland Hills tonight. Doug, how are you? And welcome to the show. Good, Rod. Hey, really enjoy your show. Thank you. Hey, you know, just as a side note, I have um, season tickets to the Seattle Seahawks, and I've had those since 2000. And the thing that stands out to me about the jazz situation as related to that is on the back of every season tickers holder, um, on the back of every ticket, it tells you exactly what you're defined and how you are supposed to act with those tickets and what your responsibility is. And so it didn't surprise me at all that this guy was thrown out um, forever from uh, a jazz game because uh, that's exactly what the NFL does as well. Um, they want those things to be fan-friendly mm-hmm. and family environments. And, uh, you know, just you can't act like that in those arenas. And I've seen over 100 Seahawks games, and I've seen a lot of drunk people, and I've seen a lot of people escorted out of that stadium. And at the end of the season, they make no bones about it. They want to know what your experience was like. They send you surveys. They want to know exactly what's going on. And I think that the Jazz is a similar kind of organization, or the NBA is, and they probably do those things. They don't want that as a black eye and those kinds of things going on. And So I just wanted to share that with you. I even know to the extent that when I sell my tickets to others, I'm responsible for their actions. Oh, are you? Are I you? I had a friend who actually, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had a, a friend who sits right next to me. He loaned it out to his tickets to somebody else. They became belligerent and drunk, and they were thrown out of the stadium. He then received a letter from the Seahawks saying, we will cancel your tickets if this happens again, if you sell those tickets to that person. So it's you are, as the season ticket holder, responsible for 
uh, what those are. And let me ask you this, Doug, and I, living in Seattle for a couple of years, and I worked with Cairo, and the, Cairo, of course, was a flagship, sh- uh, flagship yeah. station for the, uh, for the Seahawks. Um, did you ever notice, Doug, any fan using racial comments and were escorted, or was it mostly drunk fans? <laughs> no, no, I just noticed drunk fans. And, yeah. um, you know, but you're able to get down close to the field, but there's so much of a police presence there yeah. that, um, you know, it, it was not tolerated there. Well, that's, that's interesting what the NFL does. Maybe, maybe the NBA needs to do more. Maybe the Jazz need to step up security a little bit more. The fans certainly. I, I, if you saw, I'll, get, I'll ask you this question. I want to get to it some more calls though. Monica is in Salt Lake City. Wants to weigh in on this. Hi, Monica. How are you? Hey, Rod. How you doing today? Uh, happy I'm doing, Friday. Happy Friday to you. Thank Rod. It's Friday, Monica. <laughs> Thank goodness. Hey, I just wanted to share an interesting jazz story with you. Jazz fan story. Years ago, right after I actually moved here from the East Coast, I was heading back to Salt Lake on a flight. Um, in the middle seat next to me was actually an NBA referee. And the gentleman on the other side of him and I were, ch- you know, chatting it up. And the gentleman on the end, you know, asked the NBA ref, you know, hey, who's the, you know, the, the, the meanest fans, who's the worst fans of the NBA? And here, me being originally from the East Coast, you know, I expected this NBA ref to maybe mention East Coast team, East Coast fans. And he said, believe it or not, it's the Utah Jazz. Really? He said they're the really? Yeah. It, I, to this day, that I, I, you know, that story totally shocked me. He said, you know, other fans in other areas, they're, you know, they're tough on you. They they insult your calls, but NBA fans hit home. They don't insult your family. They'll insult your mother. They do some really harsh. And we were, that gentleman and I on the end were both shocked by his response. Well, that surprises day, me. That's just, yeah, that yeah. surprises me. Were you, were you taken back by that, Monica? Definitely. Like I said, I'm an East Coast gal. You know, I totally expected him to say an East Coast team, but he definitely, you know, said it was the Jazz. Wow, wow, that's interesting. I bet his name was Dick right. Bavetta. <laughs> Could have been Dick Bavetta, you're right. <laughs> because he, if that's who it was, he's got it coming, oh, trust well, me. <laughs> now, now, now. I'll, when we come back, I've got to say, well, let me get in one more phone call before we break, but I want to get more of your calls in on this. Rob is in Salt Lake City. Hi, Rob, how are you? Good, thank you. Appreciate you allowing me to take the call. Oh, thanks for joining uh, us. What are your thoughts, Rob? Yeah, um, I just would like to... to uh, commend Gail Miller for having the integrity to, to actually yeah. step up yeah. and do what all of us should be doing. And, you know, we have the right to go to these events. And even as a society as a whole, people just feel like we can treat people like they don't have in the poorest way possible. And we have the right to do that. And it's wrong. And so the fact that Gail Miller is representing as an owner and setting the standard, I think, across the country, across all of the professional teams, and saying we're not going to stand for this. Yeah. And so good for her. Yeah. Well, I'm with you, Rob. And I think, Rob, I, I think most of us have a filter when we go to an event like this, and we know about how far we can push things, right? I mean, I'll boo right. sometimes. You probably shouldn't, but I do anyways, sure. right? But I'm not going to go much farther than that. I think most people have a filter on them to know about how far they can go. Would you agree or disagree, Rob? I would agree with that. And just because you go to a sporting event doesn't mean you have to stand there and have your arms crossed and can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> you can still have enthusiasm and passion and enjoy and get, you know, bad calls are called and all this stuff, you boo. And that's part of every sporting event. But it seems like recently or in the last few years, people have taken it so far down the road 
and it is completely uncalled for. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you, Rob. And again, I agree with you as well, Rob, on Gail Miller. I, I, there aren't many owners in the NBA who would do what Gail Miller did last night, and she deserves our recognition for it and praise for saying, come on, folks, we're a whole lot better than that guy from Wyoming or wherever he's from. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, I want to take a minute right now and talk to you about planning for your retirement and planning for your retirement with Trajan Wealth. You know, look, we've worked hard for our money, right? Both, all of us have. And we've worked hard for our investments. Those investments were designed to help us prepare for retirement. And we don't want to put those at risk. That's why you need to talk to the great team at Trajan Wealth. Jeff Jr., I mean, he's put a team of fiduciaries together, and they are fee-based, so they aren't working off a commission. They aren't trying to sell you a product because they know if, um, you know, if, if your goals are achieved, their goals will be achieved as well, and everyone will benefit. And the great thing about Trajan Wealth is they, they explain things to you in simple and plain English. It's clear, so you don't have to deal with all this financial jargon, so to speak, when you sit down with your financial planner. That's what they do. And like I said, they are uh, simply fiduciary, which means the more you make, the more they make. So if you want to find out what Trajan Wealth can do for you right now, meet with them in their office here in Salt Lake by giving them a call at 801-899-7600. That's 801-899-7600. Or go online at TrajanWealth.com. That's TrajanWealth.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Advisory services. When will they come plumbing troubles all gone? For emergencies, when you call today, we come today. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. The Rod Arquette Show with you on this Friday. Thank Rod, it's Friday. Telephone lines are open to you. 888-570-8010. 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, you can dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, taking your calls on anything that we've talked about this week, but primarily right now, of course, about Gail Miller and what she did for jazz fans last night, basically being very kind in a very motherly way, reading us all the riot act. She basically said, hey, behave yourselves out there. No more of this, huh? We're better than that. And I agree. I think we are. All right, let's get reaction to what she said last night and your thoughts on uh, the fact that the Jazz banned a second fan from ever going to another game again. Back to the phones we go. Tom's been waiting patiently on I-15 tonight. Tom, how are you? I'm great, Rod. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. I, I, I'm fine with... Uh them throwing out the person out for the game. My my question is those for the length of time that they're throwing it out. A lifetime ban. Does it equal the punishment that the player got for threatening uh, to do bodily harm to him and he only gets a $25,000 fine which is pocket change to the multimillionaires? Yeah, you make a very good point, uh, Tom. You make a very and, good point. And, then, and even at $25,000 they get to write it off their income tax as a charitable donation. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> the NBA gives it to charity. Yeah, they do. So they do. Where's the where's the quality for the crime? Uh, you know, if, you know the penalty that fits the crime. Yeah, it well, sounds like the uh, the uh, uh, guy watching it that took the brunt of everything. Well, the interesting and, thing uh, here, Tom. The interesting thing here, as has been pointed out, is that it's the same player involved in both incidents. So is anybody going to sit down and have a little chat with Russell Westbrook and say, you know, you do some things that egg on the fans. Maybe if it backed off a little bit, you wouldn't get the abuse that you claim you get. I, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Uh, because you're right. This is not the first time that he's had incidents like this. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, uh, with with the, the fans. You're right, Tom. Good point. Uh, should he have been fined more by the league? And we're probably not the only place where the fans – Get after him. Let's go to Matt in Saratoga Springs, see what Matt has to say. Hi, Matt. Hey, Rod. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Good. Hey, I called in. I was actually going to call in to talk about um, how disappointed I was in Mike Lee, but then you started talking about this and <laughs> got me kind of uh, kind of excited. Um, so I'm a huge sports fan. I've been to sporting events all over the country, all over the world, actually. Um, and I can tell you that the jazz, not just jazz fans, but fans in Utah in general, and I think it's because of the lack of professional sports here, they are intense, and they love their teams. I would say any team would be happy to have the Jazz as their fan base, the Jazz fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, the My problem with the whole thing is that, and I don't know, I've heard that there's a witness account and everything, so I don't know, but the guy claims he didn't say anything bad, so I just don't know like what was said, if it's worth a banning him for life. Um, so that's a concern that I have. And then also I feel like uh, Miss Miller was maybe um, – trying to pitch the jazz fan base to other other players because free agents high-end free agents never want to come play here mm-hmm. so maybe that was strategic mm-hmm. on her part which good for her if it was well you know um, matt you matt you made you, you raise a very good point um the the guy who was banned you know he claimed he didn't do it okay mm-hmm. and all we have is really that small very small portion of the confrontation with russell westbrook now did they talk to other fans around this guy who were saying, yeah, he was dropping racial slurs all over right. the place? Do they have other camera video that they aren't showing us? I'd like to be yeah. privy a little bit more as to what exactly they based their decision on because a, a lifetime ban is pretty darn harsh. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you there. And like I said, sporting events all over the place, that's what they do. Like, I love going to a baseball game and watching people just heckle the outfielders and heckle. Like, <laughs> I love it. And, in fact, I was in 1986, I was in Wrigley Field when Daryl Strawberry had a beer dumped on his head. Oh, wow. Um, as he was up against the wall. And the guy didn't even get kicked out of the game, let alone banned for life. So wow. it's just – and the Jazz fans, they're, like whoever the NBA ref that said they're the worst, he's obviously never refed a game at an Ohio State football game because I've been there and those fans are – they are ruthless. Yeah, yeah. I would go. <laughs> so. All right, Matt, thank you. Uh, real quick, I'll get my next call here in a minute. I want to share a quick story with you. Uh, years ago, my wife and I, I'm a huge New York Yankees fan, and years ago my wife and I took our three sons back to Yankee Stadium to see a game. And I think they were playing Boston at the time. I can't remember who they were playing. But here we are, all of us, sit, you know, we're all in a row watching the game, and these typical New Yorkers come up behind us. Okay, and they're seated right. I think there were two or three guys, and they may have had two or three beers. I don't know, right? In typical New York, New Jersey fashion, they are dropping f bombs every other word at Yankees, not at the Red Sox. They were mad at the Yankees. Matter of fact, Jeter was playing, and guess who was uh, else was playing? 
Alex, Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod. They got all over A-Rod like you wouldn't believe and dropped F-bombs. And my wife said, are you going to say anything to these guys? And I said, not a chance. If you want to say something, go ahead. But I'm not saying anything to these guys. So fans around the country, not only in Utah, can get a little juiced up at times, uh, either with the help of something or on their own. So I think it's unfair on the part of players and referees, as Monica, a caller earlier, said that we're the worst fans in the NBA. I don't think we are. All right, I want to get to more of your calls and comments coming up on the Radar Cat Show. Let's get in one more before the break. Let's go to Betty, who's in Oakley tonight. Betty, how are you? And welcome to the show. Doing great. I'm really disgusted with Mitt Romney not supporting the President of the United States. I tried to call three different office numbers before I finally got to leave a recorded message. Nobody's even taken my call. And I am disgusted with him. Real quick, your 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 phone connection is horrible, Betty. But real quick, are you as mad at Mike Lee as you are at Mitt Romney? Because both of them voted against the president. I'm kind of mad at Mike Lee, but not like Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is a carpetbagger. All right, all right, Betty, thank you. We aren't going to keep you any longer because that phone connection is bad. All right, more of your calls coming up. And I'm going to talk about this uh, this column that was in USA Today today about the one thing you do to fix sports. This columnist says, let's get rid of the national anthem. I'll talk about it coming up next, but right now let's get a news update in the News Center. Here's Abby. Thanks, Royal President Trump. Number one reason kids don't drink. Find out more at parentsempowered.org. Oh, that smells awful. What is that? All right, welcome back to the uh, Rod Arquette Show, taking your calls on this Think Rod is Friday, where we uh, chat about whatever you would like to talk about. Much of our discussion in this hour has focused on the comments by uh, Gail Miller to uh, Utah Jazz fans last night, basically saying that she's extremely disappointed in the fans' actions toward Russell Westbrook. Now, I doubt if anybody in Oklahoma City has the uh, you-know-what to uh, sit down with Russell Westbrook and say, behave yourself. But probably they should a little bit. He kind of eggs it on a little bit because these incidents, we've had two fans who now have been banned from Vivint Smart Home Arena, were involved with Russell Westbrook. So I don't know what it is about Westbrook. I don't know. watch enough of the NBA to know why he gets under everybody's skin. But maybe someone should say to him, you know, I know you're passionate. I know you love to play the game. You're a great, great player. But, you know, I don't know, Ray, you watch him more than I do. Is he that much? I mean, are there other players in the league like him who get under people's skin? Oh, I'm sure there are, but he certainly stands out. Why does he stand out? Because he's very arrogant. Okay. He's got, uh, pardon my French, resting bitch face. Really? He always looks angry. (laughs) And he complains about everything. Yeah, but LeBron James does that. I mean, I've watched enough of yeah, James over the years. Yeah, he does it with years. an angry face. LeBron James doesn't always have an angry face. Is there a player in the NBA who doesn't complain about a call that goes against him? <laughs> no, not anymore. Everybody does. <laughs> I mean, can they just say, okay, yeah, I hacked the guy. I get it. And he, and he likes to run his mouth a does lot. He? Does he? On the court? Yes. Against other players? To everyone. And, and fans included? 
That's pretty obvious. Well, yeah, it sure is. Sure is. So, you know, uh, maybe someone sit down with old, uh, what's his name, and say, look at Russell. Uh, maybe back off a little bit. Uh, what I think is going to be interesting to see, do you know, E-Ray, if, if they have any, any more games scheduled with OKC before this season's over? Now, if they get them in the playoffs, which could happen, we don't know yet because of the standings, right? I wonder what kind of reception he'll get. Here. Oh, it'll be ugly. You think? Or will fans cheer him? No. Just to be kind of nice. No one here is going to cheer Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Maybe Gil Miller will smile at him. I don't know. All right, 888-570-8010. 888-570-8010 on your cell phone dial, pound 250, and say, hey, Rod, if you'd like to be a part of the show today. Um, Speaker of the House, Brad Wilson, will be coming up in just a few minutes. Brad will join us. We'll talk about this legislative session. Um, you know, if you were involved... In the medical marijuana petition drive, the one for Medicaid expansion, all the others. It may not be the same if you try something like that again. We'll talk about that and also a little bit later on a setback for VidAngel. And we'll talk about the housing gap and housing shortage here in the Wasatch Front. 888-570-8010. Let's go back to the phones and talk with Dave in Tooele tonight. Dave, how are you? And welcome to Thank Rod. It's Friday. Hi, Rod. Glad you, I'm glad you took my call. Well, thanks I, for calling. I just- I, I, I'm just very disgusted with Mitt Romney. I'm, uh, I'm originally from Michigan, and I, I didn't care for the, the people in Michigan at the time I was there, the, the, this family. And, and, and I really think he should, you know, change colors and become a Democrat like he really is. Uh, and and uh, then he can stand up for what he believes in instead of lying to the, the voters about it. Uh-huh. I'm just thoroughly disgusted. Are you as mad at Mike Lee as you are at Mitt Romney? Mike I don't know that much about Mike Lee. I'm, I've just moved here. I've only been here for a short period. I did vote in the election, and uh, I am disgusted with him also, all of them. Why would these people uh, 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 vote against our president when all of them said, oh, he's doing such a great job, and then say, no, he's not? I don't understand this. Well, they make the argument, Dave, and let me see if this hold, holds water with you. They say it is a constitutional issue. They do support the president in his efforts to crack down on the border. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But he's going about it the wrong way. Constitutionally, they argue he should not be allowed to use money from one area to another. It is the power of the purse rests with Congress and not with the president. And that's why they they voted against him on this one. That's the argument I've heard. Well, that's what they're saying. But they gave him. They gave all the presidents the right to do that when they voted. What what year was it? Nineteen seventy six. The National Emergency Seven, Act of seventy six. The National yeah. Emergency Act. They gave that up. So now they're complaining that this president's going to do it. I don't think so. All right, all right, Dave. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate your call. Uh, there are some people upset at Mitt Romney, and I've had a couple of emails today uh, explaining to me how they're disappointed in Mike Lee, and we had both of them on the show, and both of them said, "Look." It comes down to, you know, um, separation of powers. Now, the problem with that argument is, in my opinion, as I've read a little bit on this, 
is that more and more Congress is giving more empowered more power to the executive branch. So is it Mr. Trump's fault that he's using the power that has been given to him by Congress in trying to get something done? I don't think it is his fault. Now, the argument is going to be, well, you know, you can't do it. Well, wait a minute. As, as Dave just pointed out, you gave him that power. So all of a sudden you're saying, whoa. Now, Mike Lee, in his effort, tried to come up with a compromise saying, look, all right, Mr. President, we'll let you do it this time as long as you agree never to do it again. I don't know if that worked very well. It didn't because the president rejected it. But more and more we have a Congress in the Senate and the House, these men and women who are unwilling to do the job that the American people want them to do. And they continue to kick more power over to the executive branch. Say, here, 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 here. Here, you handle this. You handle this. Donald Trump is trying to handle what he considers a crisis and an emergency at the national border. But he's not being allowed to do it because Congress said, well, we'll give you this power, but if you use it, eh, well, I'll take it away from you. Or we aren't going to support you. And that's the, that's the trouble I have with this issue. They gave him the power, and then they're saying, oh, going to slap you on the hands for using it. And I think that's what the American people see as well. Kind of interesting, isn't it? All right, uh, Brad Wilson, Speaker of the Utah House. Been a busy 45 days for Brad and everybody up there on the Hill. It's all over. He will join us, give us a rundown, and his take on what happened. That's to come in hour number three of the Rod Arquette Show. Stay with us. Hot Radio, now on Saturdays at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. KNRS News, sponsored by Justin Udy Real Estate. I'm Abby Bonnell, it's 6.03. Utahns have been gathering and rallying around mosques throughout the state today to show support for Muslims following a deadly attack in New Zealand that killed 49 at two mosques. Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox and others greeting worshippers at a mosque in Orem saying the state is a refuge for people of all faiths. I talked to them about the, the foundation of Utah, that Utah was a place settled by religious refugees, those who were looking, who were persecuted, and looking for a place to, to worship as they, as they chose. Governor Gary Herbert issued a statement today saying he was heartbroken to learn of the deadly attack and disgusted by the white supremacists' ideology. That suspect taken into custody... Law enforcement, meanwhile in Utah, stepping up their presence at mosques throughout the state, including Rose Park in Salt Lake City and West Valley. Multiple agencies and volunteers have been looking all day long for a missing three-year-old girl in southeastern Utah. The child went missing Thursday afternoon in the Montezuma Creek area of San Juan County. An air, ground and river search continues. And a retired Army officer from Syracuse admitting in federal court today to attempting to hand over classified national defense information to the Chinese. Prosecutors recommending 15 years in prison for 59-year-old Ron Rockwell Hansen. KNRS News at the top and bottom of the hour anytime at KNRS.com. Abigail, thank you very much for that uh, news update. And we'll be, uh, Abby, we'll be back at the bottom of the hour to keep you up to date as you drive home tonight on this Friday. Boy, it looks like just a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend. And I know we've been waiting for a long time for this. But yes, spring is, what, a couple of days away? 
the official start of spring, and it looks like we've got some spring weather to enjoy this weekend, so we hope you get out and enjoy it. All right, welcome back. Hour number three of the Rod Arquette Show with you on this Friday. Thank Rod, it's Friday on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Also, we want to remind you, it is a free movie Friday. Now, the program that we've been doing for about a year and a half now with Adam Tickets is ending at the end of this month. So you want to make sure you tune in every Friday. You've only got a couple more left for your chance to win tickets before it all ends. Now, the Adam Tickets app lets you browse movie titles. You can buy your tickets. You can invite friends, if you have any. And you can skip the lines, all with Adam Tickets. As a matter of fact, Adam Tickets wants to give you a chance at free movie tickets right now. Here's what we want you to do. Text the word DEAL, D-E-A-L, right now to Adam1. That's DEAL to Adam1-28661 for your chance to win some free movie tickets, standard data, and text message rates may apply. All right, we've been talking about this throughout the show today, but of course the Utah legislature wrapping up its session last night, a little bit early for the uh, Utah House, not quite sure how long the Senate was there, but everything ended last night, the 45-day session is over, they go interim meetings, and they get ready for the session in 2020. Now, one of the big issues, of course, with tax reform, and joining me on our Newsmaker line to talk about it is Brad Wilson, Speaker of the Utah House. Always great to have Brad on the show. Brad, you tried to address tax reform. You didn't quite get there, but do you feel that the state is now on the right path in getting the reform that you and many other lawmakers feel is so important? I feel uh, I feel good about the path we're on. It's a big issue. Uh, big issues often take uh a little more time than you would like, but uh, we really accomplished a great deal and learned a lot. And uh, the one thing that's probably the best part of the whole process has been the increased awareness and commitment from everyone to fix this problem we've got to address. Brad, um, is it fair to say with the tax reform package you may have bitten off a little more than you could chew in 45 days? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the challenges with the citizen legislature is uh, you uh, you have to get into these 45-day sessions work as quick as you can. And, and that's a big issue. I mean, there's a reason it hasn't been done. Uh, we've known it's a problem for a while. The legislature has. And, and uh, we decided to dive into it. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's fine. I feel like, uh, you know, as we get back, we, we, we are committed to come back by August and present some solutions and options. So we'll, we'll do that. Brad, what about the, uh, the uh, tax cut uh, for residents there. Obviously, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer, but with the revenue projections you're looking at now and the tax reform package that will be coming together, can we get, still get some tax relief out of lawmakers, do you think, in the coming months? Well, I think there's a very high degree of commitment to that. The challenge with doing a tax cut without having this structural problem fixed and this reform done is you don't know the right kind of tax to cut. And, uh, I mean, any tax, I guess, to cut's better than others, but you also don't want to make the problem worse, and we could, we could do that if we're not doing this all at the same time. So that's another reason why we need to get something determined this year uh, so we can get that done for the citizens of the state. What other issues? Uh, Brad, I know you had to tackle Medicaid expansion. You did that right away. What are the, some of the other issues that were key that you were able to address this year? Yeah, great question. Well, um, there were a lot of uh, important things that uh, we accomplished. We we did address this hate crimes issue. There's a lot of uh, passion around that, but uh, we do now have a, a hate crimes law in the state that uh, people think will will work. So that uh, that was a big accomplishment, and a lot of work was was put into that. The, the biggest issue, of course, of the legislative session is always the budget, 
And uh, Rod, I, when I started uh, just nine years ago, the budget was just under $11 billion. We're close to $19 billion now. And that's it's not because we're collecting more tax from people. Uh, in fact, our tax per household is probably going down a little bit, but it's because the state's growing so fast. And and so we've got all that uh, uh, money in the budget that we've appropriated and done it, I think, in a very responsible way this year. But growth is a challenge for this state, and uh, we're going to have to really continue to focus uh, on that. Let's talk about the Medicaid expansion effort that you got right into at the beginning of the session and tried to address this and do the you know and fix this challenge that the state was facing. Um, in talking with the governor yesterday and some other lawmakers, they're pretty optimistic we'll get the waivers that the state needs to do what it wants to from the federal government on Medicaid expansion. Do, uh, do you re- are you optimistic as well, Brad? You know, I talked with the governor about that just uh, seems like a few days ago, but time flies. <laughs> and uh, all lights uh, were green, and we felt uh, he felt good about that. You know, the legislature sets policy, and we sort of give the baton to the executive branch and the governor to to execute and run the day-to-day functions of, of government. And uh, so he's got that ball in his court right now. You mentioned the new hate crimes bill. Um, as I talked with people about it, and I said on the air, Brad, I'm, you know, I'm still wondering why we ever needed this, because I think it was Lee Perry in the House pointed out during the debate on this, there were only three cases in the state last year that this was applied to, yet lawmakers seem to make this a bit of a priority this year. Why did they do that, do you think? Well, it's been an issue we've talked about for years and haven't been able to find the right balance. I mean, we we have seen uh, a few cases over the course of the last six to 12 months that clearly been hate crimes um, uh, targeted at specific individuals. I think that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and these deliberations just take some time. And uh, Some of these things take years, and there was a lot of great effort put into it. I think also, to be quite frank, when you have someone like Representative Perry, who initially was opposed to this a few years ago, and uh, as he works on something like this and realizes that there might be ways to do it that can can keep everybody somewhat happy. Um, it makes a difference uh, when you have someone that does that. And he, he wasn't the primary sponsor, but having Representative Perry as a sponsor in the House, I think, made a difference. There are a number of gun bills uh, before lawmakers this year, but it appears not a whole lot was done in that area. Lawmakers just reluctant to even address this. Do they feel the need to address this, do you think, Brent, on gun laws? Well, we, we in general feel you know, pretty strong about, mm-hmm. about that uh, and we have very good gun laws in place already, so I, I don't think there's uh, there's a high degree of concern uh, from the legislature that uh, we're not doing things we should be doing. And um, we did do uh, a number of things around uh, trying to prevent violence. And uh... with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And get more, a lot more resources into our school system to identify kids, for example, that are having challenges so we can be more proactive. But gun laws, uh, in many cases, are uh, something that uh, 
that don't really change behavior and prevent these types of things from happening, at least that's my perspective. So we, we're putting our efforts into other things. About 573, 70-something bills were passed. Do we, do we really need that, that many new bills, Brad? <laughs> um, you know, it's a tricky thing, Rod. And no, I mean, it's, it's probably a few too many. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. And, uh, you know, what's crazy is we actually adjourned early last night. Uh, and uh, we ran out of Senate bills in the House. And uh, we were done by about 10, 10.30 last night and adjourned early. And that's only happened one other time in my legislative career. Yet we passed a record number of bills. So sometimes it just works out that way. On our Newsmaker line, Speaker of the Utah House, Brad Wilson, talking about the just-completed 2019 session of the Utah Legislature. All right, more to come. We'll talk more about the Legislature coming up on the Rod Arkan Show here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Let's get a news update right now. Here's Abby. Thanks, Rod. New Zealand's Prime Rock Radio. Listen now on the iHeartRadio app. Your music, your stations, all free. iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, don't forget, the International Sportsman's Expo is underway this weekend down at the Mountain America Expo Center. They'll be there right on through Sunday, and I will be there tomorrow afternoon between 2 and 4. So if you're down at the Expo, swing by and say hi. We'll be there until 2 and 4 tomorrow afternoon. All right, Utah lawmakers, we just talked with Brad Wilson, Speaker of the House, about the legislative session. There were so many bills, I think... What I mentioned to Brad, about 500, 573 bills that were approved. There was a series of bills dealing with the initiative process. Of course, the initiative process was very successful. During the last election year, you had medical marijuana on the ballot. You had Medicaid expansion. You had other issues as well. But this year, lawmakers decided to make some changes to the initiative process. A lot of people are not very happy with what they did. Chase Thomas is executive director of the Alliance for a Better Utah. He's on our newsmaker line. With these changes, Chase, what kind of message do you think lawmakers were sending out when it comes to the initiative process? Yeah, well, I mean, I think voters, they sent a message to the legislature, like, we want action on these issues. Mm-hmm. And that this session, the legislature came back and said, yeah, we hear you, and we're working on these issues. But the way you want to do it is secondary to the way we want to do it. Um, and so they put in a lot of changes that allows the legislature to have more control over that process and make it harder for these initiatives to actually pass in the end. What kind of changes are we looking at, Chase, that could impact the initiative process, do you think? Uh, yeah, so it starts off um, like with signatures. Um, they bumped up the date to where signatures are due by two months, so they're now due in February. Um, so... People are going to be gathering the last push for signatures in the snow and the cold. Um, They also required that um, initiative signers, so people who sign the petitions, Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. their names would be put online. Um, So you could go through and see everybody's names of the people who have signed these petitions, um, which gives a leg up to the people who are trying to take off the signatures. Um, Just anybody could go up there and say, oh, hey, I see this person it has signed, mm-hmm. I need to go and talk to them and get them to take their signature off. Um, and we see, like we feel like it could be a chilling effect on whether or not people are actually going to participate and sign if they want their name to be in the public domain like that. Um, 
There's other things like it prohibits initiatives from being run back to back in uh, general elections. So like all the count my vote, um, if it would have gone through, it wouldn't have been able to be on the next ballot cycle. Um, they delayed implementation. Um, so normally they go into effect five days after the governor says, yeah, it made it through. Now it's after the legislative session. Um, so it gives the legislature enough time to what they say, review it and make changes. Why do you think lawmakers did this, Chase? <clears throat> well, I mean, lawmakers up on the Hill, they decided that now that we had three initiatives on the ballot at the same time, they saw the process, they needed to make changes. Um, and a lot of it had to do with saying clerks needed more time and we need to make it more transparent. But, I mean, we see these individual changes, and we can understand, yeah, that has a good justification, but then all of them together seem like, I don't know, an extremely hard, like, an extreme push mm-hmm. to make it harder. Um, and then also just to say, well, I mean, we understand the policy, but we don't agree with how you guys did it. This is how we would do it as a legislature. Um, which I think is unfortunate because that's not how the Utah Constitution is structured. It's that either the legislature or the people can pass laws, and ultimately the people are the foundation of government. So if this is in our Constitution, they should be able to exercise it. It sounds like you don't buy the uh, we need to give clerks more time and we need transparency in this whole debate. It doesn't sound like you're buying that argument, are you, Jay? No, I mean, it's... It's hard to compare to the legislature because they have 45 days and they brush things through as fast as possible and making votes behind closed doors. Whereas the initiative process, it went on for over a year and a half from the time that they first submitted an application. Um, they had to go around and get signatures. Um, then they had to make the case for why people should vote for it. I mean, I think it's an extremely transparent process. And then on the other hand, um, clerks, I mean, if we better funded the clerk's offices around the state in the counties, mm-hmm. they would be able to handle all the signatures. It's just, I don't know. This goes back to the whole we keep taxes so low that we can't properly adequately mm-hmm. fund certain parts of our government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they truly valued this process, they would just give more money to these clerk's offices. Do you think, Chase, that some lawmakers, not all of them, but some lawmakers are offended by the initiative process. Said, wait a minute, you elected us to get the job done, and now you're telling us we aren't getting the job done, so you're now going to tell me this law you want and that law you want. I mean, do you think some lawmakers are offended or bothered by the initiative process? Yeah, I think that's completely the case. Um, there's multiple legislators who said throughout the session that we're a republic, um, that we elect representatives to run our government and that the legislative process is the proper way to make laws. Um, but I feel, on the other hand, voters were offended that lawmakers weren't addressing these issues for so long. I mean, it took, I think, six years to get Medicaid expansion through. Um, so I think it's both sides of the coin on whether the voters or the lawmakers should be the ones offended. Is this going to dampen the initiative process here in the state, do you think? I think it definitely could. Um, I mean, if we have an issue um, that people want to address, and the option in the past was, oh, yeah, you can get an initiative. But now that we know that it can be immediately changed right after, I'm not sure if people even consider um, using the initiative process. 
and let alone why people would feel that they need to go and vote if their vote doesn't matter. The executive director of Alliance for a Better Utah, Chase Thomas, talking to us about some changes that lawmakers made during this just-completed session about the initiative process. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show on this Thank Rod is Friday, right here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. I'm Jeff Jr. President. Please don't forget to call pound 250 today and say donate. You'll have the option to receive a one-time auto-dialed text message from iHeartMedia. Cat Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Final half hour of the Rod Arquette Show with you on this Think Rod S Friday in Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. Now, normally at this time we do our Listen Back Friday segments, but you know we've had so much going on this week that we're going to uh, forego that today and continue with some of uh, interviews with newsmakers. Because like I've said, with the legislature in session, with everything that's been going on this past week, we decided to uh, continue with the, uh, the emphasis of the show and not do our Listen Back Friday segments. They'll be back with us next week. Now, one of the stories that emerged this week was the uh, story coming out of Los Angeles where a California judge has ruled that the Provo-based company VidAngel is liable for copyright infringement and may be facing some real serious monetary damages. Joining us on our Newsmaker line to talk about that is Neil Harmon, who we've had on the show before. Neil, of course, is CEO with VidAngel. Neil, thanks for joining us. After this ruling, pretty tough ruling coming out of California, what are your thoughts about the future of VidAngel? Right now, um, we're headed to trial for June 11th. And uh, at trial, they will just, uh, a jury will determine damages which gives us um, some level of comfort um, that we're not dealing with um, the powerful studios or, or the judges from California, but we're just dealing with regular people, like regular work, working-class people. And, um, and we have a good story, and um, we've recently had um, experts look at our data and, and uh, our, all of our sales and everything were incremental to studios, and they got paid for them. So we think our situation looks really good in front of a jury. Um, but that said, it's been a difficult week, and and, um, and while, um, you know, we hope for a different result in California, it is what it is, and now we have to respect the ruling of the judge. And um, we have two options. One is to appeal, or the other is to seek to have a change in the law. Um, our resolve continues, and um, we're fighting for the families who have who've counted on us to do this, but um, it is what it is, Rod, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Neil, what, what story will you will you tell to the jury and hope to convince them um, to side with VidAngel in this fight? What story will you be telling, do you think? It's an easy story, Rod. Um, we're a company who started in 2013 and tried three different methods to, to get the studios paid before the method that they sued us over. Um, and then when we tried the method that they sued us over, we reached out to them and asked them for feedback and asked them to, to, to sell us content. And um, they didn't give us any feedback. And and uh, and and so we we launched the service. Uh, you know, a month and a half after we were, you know, we followed up with them on feedback, and um, nothing. And but a year later, Disney decided to sue us after they could see that we were were uh, really growing, and. Um, the law 
Even the Ninth Circuit said that the law was uh, an issue of first impression. That's a term of the law for something that's never been litigated before. So it could be interpreted two ways. And so from our perspective, we were um, innocently um, uh, operating our service. And I shouldn't say innocently. Now that we've been found um, uh, liable for copyright infringement, we believe that our behavior was innocent. Because at the time, we believed we, that the law was on our mm-hmm, side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, now that a California judge has said the law isn't on our side, there's three different types of infringement. There's innocent, there's ordinary, and willful. The studios, Disney's asking for willful infringement, which means that we intentionally broke the law. Um, and we're asking, we're going to ask the jury for, for uh, innocent infringement, which means we had no intention of breaking the law. We thought we were keeping the law, um, but we were wrong. And... Um, and the damages de- determination from innocent, innocent's like $200, and willful can be up to $150,000 per title. Wow. And, and Disney says that there are 80, 836 titles at issue, and so that is a big range, Rod. So, <laughs> um, but uh, we're glad that it's regular people who will decide that for us rather than, rather than the judges and, and Disney. Neil, look back on this, uh, and by the sounds of it, Neil, as you share this story, you tried to work with the studios, you tried to come up with a compromise, why do you think they have been so hell-bent on getting after you guys and basically trying to put you out of business, Neil? So um, it's really clear in the case of Disney. Now, when we started this, we knew that, uh, that the filtering business was a dicey business because there were a dozen companies that were shut down back in 2005. Mm-hmm, yeah. We did a lot of research. So we knew that the directors didn't particularly like filtering. Um, but we're in a new era today, and uh, we're at the age of the Internet, and, and, um, and uh, you know, people don't like censorship, and, and people like technology that's customizable. But there's one thing about Disney, um, and Disney is launching a new streaming service this year where they are going after the family market. They're pulling all their content off of Netflix. And the problem for Disney with technologies like VidAngel and ClearPlay and hopefully others that will happen in the future is that these technologies make more of the content compete with Disney's content. And Disney economically doesn't seems like they don't want that to happen. And it sounds like Disney is now looking at it, its own streaming service. Is that right, Neil? I thought I saw a story out there the other day that they yeah. may be coming around and understand the power of a streaming service. Yes, that's exactly right. They're, 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 they're scheduled to launch their new, their new streaming service sometime this year. Wow. If you have to reorganize, have you thought about a business plan for uh, VidAngel, and can you still be in this business without kind of being in, in this business, Neil? Well, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have been shocked to find out that uh, Drive Our Comedy, which had over a billion views this year, is a VidAngel original. Um, and we have another um, uh, TV series that's coming out this year. It's called The Chosen, um, and it has... 16,000 people who invested $10 million to make that happen. And VidAngel still offers con- popular content from Netflix, Amazon Prime, and from all the studios who didn't sue us. And so we have a, a thriving business um, with a very large company trying to put us out of business. But we, we believe we have a, a bright future um, as a company, and, and we're currently under Chapter 11 protection in Utah. And so when we come out of the other, out of the other side of this um, jury trial, if there are damages or, you know, big or small, then um, 
those will be handled in a you know a manageable process inside of the uh, the bankruptcy court, and then we'll be able to come out as a new company, just just like Marvel. Marvel, Marvel filed for Chapter Eleven before they started making movies, or Delta, who's who we all know here in Utah. Uh, successful companies can come out, uh, out of reorganization. He's the CEO of VidAngel. His name is Neil Harmon on our Newsmaker Line, talking about VidAngel and the uh, challenges faces now as a result of a uh, court decision in California. All right, more coming up on the uh, Rod Arquette Show on this Thank Rod is Friday on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Abby's back with us for a news update. Thanks, Rod President. Make the switch at JUUL.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Final segment of the Rod Arquette with you on this uh, Thank Rod is Friday in Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, don't forget, Dave Ramsey coming your way following news update at the uh, top of the hour. Another reminder about the uh, Grizz game tomorrow night. We've got some fans joining us, and if you want to go to it, all you do is have to go to our website, and they've got details. It's going to be a fun night, a KNRS night, at the Utah Grizzlies hockey game tomorrow night. All right, well... There is a, another effort to uh, launch a big development down on the south end of the valley. Of course, remember, about a year ago, had the debate over the Olympia Hills development. It's all part of this debate here in the state of Utah over development, the housing gap, high-density housing. Of course, a group has attacked the uh, Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce for its series of ads, basically pushing the group claim for high-density housing. Well, let's talk more about that right now with Cameron Jackson, who is Director of Marketing at Daybreak. Cameron, thanks for joining us this evening. What are your thoughts, Cameron, about this debate over high-density housing, knowing the growth that we have, the demand for housing? What should we be doing? Well, I mean, I think that the research that the University of Utah has done has been pretty clear on, you know, the gap that exists. Uh, since 2011, that gap has been above 50,000 units, and it continues to grow every single year. I think that, you know, part of the challenge that we have here is that, you know, when people think about density, there's a lot of projects that have been done over the years that probably weren't executed so well, and those are the things that people remember. Um, but the ones that are done really well tend to just sort of blend into the streets and neighborhoods and towns where we live, and they look like they're supposed to be there. So as a goal um, in terms of, you know, moving forward um, as a community and building, we just need to be a little bit more thoughtful about how we, how we create housing um, and how we, how we develop uh, housing at scale and at density that is done in such a way that, that people don't object to it so much. And, and there is a way to do that, and there are some great examples of that up and down the Wasatch Front. How do you tell the difference between a well-done development, uh, camera, like you point out, and some that in the past maybe not have been done yeah. so well? How do you tell yeah. the difference between the two? Well, I, I think one of the most important things is that they ought to be placed in locations where the infrastructure is there to support them. So, you know, near freeways, near uh, light rail stations, um, where the transportation infrastructure is in place to be able to support them, you know, in addition to all of the, all of the utilities and everything else. That's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is design. So the way that a, um, a building or, or a project um, 
responds to the surroundings around it. So, you know, building a, a four or five story apartment building right next to single family homes is probably not a good idea um, and probably not something that the neighbors are going to respond well to. So thinking about, <coughs> you know, how to deliver these types of projects in the right context and in the right setting um, is something that the building community really needs to spend some time thinking about. And I think there are people doing that, and there are people that are trying really hard to, to crack that nut and execute it and, and are doing a good job. Why do you think people are afraid of high-density housing? Um, I think there's, you know, there's a number of reasons. I think you know, they object to um, how they think it's going to impact uh, you know, their commutes and um, you know, just the overall crowdedness, whether it's in the grocery store or you know, on the main road out in front of their neighborhood, how it's going to affect their, their daily commute. Um, you know, quite frankly, I think we have some, um, some unfounded concerns in some cases about uh, crime and, and who lives in some of these communities, mm-hmm. um, when in reality it's people just like us. If we, if we think about it, all of us at one point were, you know, young and, and possibly struggling or a college student or, or something like that and, and lived in the same type of housing at one point in our lives. And, so, and, and secondarily, you know, especially those, uh, those that are of the, of the baby boomer generation, they all have kids that I think they would like to have live closer to them. So I think some of our concerns as a community on this have been um, are a little bit stoked by fears, and they're, and they're a bit unfounded. And we just need to remember that, um, you know, this this housing is solving um, a challenge and a problem for the community that really actually does benefit everyone. You mentioned transportation. You mentioned crowded uh, grocery store lines, but what about property values? Um, if you have a high density project or a development that includes some high density housing. Cameron, does it impact existing homes that have been there for a long time and their property values? Is that a concern you hear? Uh, we certainly hear that a lot, and I think it depends on, you know, I go back to how well executed that high-density housing is. Um, and, and the other thing to keep in mind, too, is in the big picture of things, our, our property values can be impacted, but they may, if we don't have that high-density high housing in our communities, our property values may be impacted in a different way in terms of our ability or our children's ability to be able to afford housing that's in our community and not have to have a, you know, a two-hour commute to get to work or, or to get to our house you know, as, as parents. If we want our children to be near us, um, then, then we, we really need to think about um, you know, how these high-density housing projects solve some of those problems that, that really benefit everybody. Is this something we're just going to have to live with, Cameron, and just try and figure out the way, the best way to go here in Utah because of our exploding population, people wanting to live here, and our limited landmass that we have, unless you want to live out in the western Utah desert? Is this something we're going to have to deal with? I really think it is. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we live in a phenomenal place here in the Salt Lake Valley, um, but we are bounded by some pretty big geographic uh, barriers in terms of the mountains. Yeah, and yeah. So uh, it is something we're going to have to deal with, but I don't think it's something that we have to just grin and bear. I think there are smart, uh, economic, and well-designed solutions that are out there. Uh, we just need to be a little bit more thoughtful about how we do it. He is a marketing director for a Daybreak. His name is Cameron Jackson, joining us on our Newsmaker line, talking about growth, the housing gap, and high-density housing 
here in the uh, state of Utah. All right, that does it for us this week. It's been great to be with you all week. We invite you to join us on Monday. Head up, shoulders back. May God bless you and your family. Boy, enjoy this weather this weekend. Have a good one, everybody. We'll be back Monday at 4 with a brand new edition of the Rod Arquette Show. Do you know why? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.